we've been having a lot of conversations about end-of-life care, doctor-assisted death, and so forth. But, but there is a whole other world of end-of-life care, and it's called palliative care, and you all know at least a little bit about it. And there's every indication that all of our lives will be touched by it at one time or another. Either ourselves, our loved ones, somebody we know is going to wind up in palliative care. So this is, this is one of those things that touches all of us, every one of us, because sooner or later we, we all have to come face-to-face with our own mortality. Well, there's going to be an, an amazing gathering and there's going to be a wide-ranging conversation about the state of palliative care in Manitoba and where we need to go. And one of the key members of this panel is man who many of you know, he is Dr. Harvey Chachanov, who is the Director of Manitoba Palliative Care Research Unit at Cancer Care Manitoba. Dr. Chachanov, welcome back. Always good to have you on the show. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh, th- this, is, uh, this is one of those ongoing conversations, and I, and I know we've had these, these chats before, but with so much emphasis now on the conversation about doctor-assisted death, I thought it was, it's really important for us to focus on that end-of-life care for the overwhelming majority of us who will not choose doctor-assisted death. No, you're absolutely uh, correct, Jeff. Uh, in, in fact, if you, uh, if you look at places that, uh, that have legislation that allows for uh, doctor-assisted dying, um, those deaths really account for less than 1% or 2%. In Oregon, less than one-half of 1% of people who die die as a result of, uh, of assisted dying. Um, but on the other hand, uh, we need to think about the fact that um, all people towards the end of their life, I mean, the vast majority will want to live out their days in comfort and care, and that is something that uh, we should be able to provide. How, how are we doing in Manitoba from, you know, the days when you and I first started having these conversations some years ago? Where, where are we at today? Well, that's really what uh, this evening's uh, event is about. Uh, we've gathered together a, a group of uh, really interesting people, um, two people who have been personally touched by uh, a recent death in their families and who are going to talk about what palliative care has meant to them during the course of their loved ones dying and how that was able to shape the experience they had. Um, The other thing that we'll be doing at this event is uh, we'll be making an announcement, uh, that is the University of Manitoba will be making an announcement to say that they are committed to now raising uh, $2.5 million uh, to match funding that the government of Manitoba has committed to create an endowed chair in palliative care. So it should be uh, an exciting evening. Five million dollars, a lot of money. What do you do with that? Well, um, it is to create an endowment, which means that uh, from this time forward, there will always be leadership. There will always be uh, a position of uh, an academic position to ensure that uh, that research can be done uh, in the area of palliative end-of-life care. Uh, Research is really a way of of setting the bar. It's a way of saying, what is the best quality of care that we can provide? And so long as research is being done and we are continually trying to find better ways of meeting the needs of patients and families near the end of life, then we can be reassured that people are going to be getting the very best that they should be and ought to be getting towards the end of their days. Have we... Have we changed our societal mindset a little bit in the last generation or so, Dr. Chachanoff, and when it comes to end of life, are we coming to grips a little bit better, and is the medical profession 
helping us along with that, uh, understanding that, that the end is going to come for all of us at some point? Um, I think the answer is that, that yes, we, uh, we certainly are making inroads, uh, but at the same time, um, we have a long way to go. Um, you know, if you even, for example, look at things like medical education and look at the uh, uh, medical schools across the country, we know that on average, uh, a physician who is just being licensed probably has about 10 hours of training in palliative care. Is that good? Well, it's better than not having that training, but we need to make sure that any clinician out there who's dealing with people who are living with life-threatening and life-limiting illness knows how to provide care that is going to uh, assure that people are cared for and, uh, and given comfort uh, in their final days, months, weeks of life. Part of that, of course, is the medical aspect, the physical aspect of it, but, but much of that has to do with the the psychological, the emotional, and the spiritual. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you go back to the beginnings of palliative care, uh, which was uh, started by uh, Dame Cicely Saunders in the 60s, uh, you know, at St. Christopher's Hospice in in London, England, uh, she really talked about the fact that for palliative care to be uh, delivered in a comprehensive way, um, we can't just look at the physical issues. And, of course, pain is a, a profound issue that needs to be attended to. But as you say, the psychological, the spiritual, the existential issues, certainly much of the work that we've been doing here in Manitoba has been looking at the whole notion of dignity towards the end of life. And we know that for dying patients, oftentimes what it comes down to are issues around dignity. Um, And that is not only true for people who are being looked after in palliative care, but our our seniors in personal care homes. Issues around dignity to patients or residents and their families is of profound significance. And the only way that we can really address those is by trying to delve into what they mean so we have the tools that we can pass along to healthcare professionals so they can be more attentive to those needs. So does that imply then that that we're talking about a, a team approach rather than just asking our physicians to take care of these these situations? Well, that, that's absolutely true. And palliative care, probably more so than any other uh, area of medicine, really is something that is uh, married to a, uh, a multidisciplinary model. And so if you look at palliative care teams, they will be I- inclusive of physicians and pastoral care pr- uh, providers, uh, social workers, just uh, nurses and so on. So there is a, uh, there's a broad range of professionals um, who each have skills and collectively those skills can bring a good end of life. You know, the notion of a good death is really not an oxymoron, that we can help people achieve a good death with the provision of a palliative approach. Hmm. And so in the future, the demand for palliative care is, is not likely to drop in the next 20 years, is it? It's, it's more likely to increase with our aging population, is it not? Absolutely. Um, I mean, even if we just look at the prevalence of something like cancer, which is a leading cause of death today in Canada, I mean, we expect that the uh, the prevalence will probably be increasing by about 40% uh, by 2030, which means that the number of deaths are going to be increasing. So the demand for palliative care and for clinicians to be familiar with the palliative approach um, is simply going to be increasing, not decreasing. How important is it for us to understand specific causes of death. I mean, at one time, certainly when, when you were a, a little boy, you'd hear somebody had passed away and you'd say, what did they die of? And they say old age. Mm-hmm. We, we don't say people die of old age anymore, but, but really, essentially, that's what, what's going to happen to a lot of us. Our, the body is just going to, 
to start to break down. Does it matter what the cause of death is or why I might be in palliative care? Well, um, I suppose, I mean, what doesn't matter is that, uh, I mean, your, your life matters to the end, uh, irrespective of what is bringing that life to an end. So in, in that respect, uh, cause is, is, is unimportant. But where it is important is that um, different pathways to death have different challenges that need to be addressed so that um, to deliver good palliation, we need to understand what is the underlying illness, what is the underlying disease that might be moving you towards end of life? Because if we understand those mechanisms well, we are in a much better position to be able to provide comfort. And that is the essence of palliative care. Is It is an approach that is meant to optimize the quality of life for patients and families until the very end. There's always a dollar figure attached to any kind of increased care, of course. Um, where where do you come down on that, and and at what point do we have to reexamine the way we're spending money in our healthcare system and so forth? I mean, can we accommodate the demand? I suppose is the the basic question. Well, um, I mean, certainly it it requires some upfront investment in a variety of ways, whether around infrastructure, whether around uh, uh, making sure that we can develop capacity so that we have uh, people who are trained to be able to do this, um, not only in urban centers, but in rural and remote centers so that people can be looked after uh, close to home so they can uh, spend their final days surrounded by, by friends and family. But the other thing that I think we need to take note of is that that investment has um, uh, extraordinary benefits, not only in terms of quality of life, but the evidence seems to suggest that if you can provide palliative care, um, that there may be potential cost savings, uh, particularly uh, if you look at the difference between somebody dying, let's say, in an intensive care unit or in an emergency ward, as opposed to in a palliative care facility or in a hospice, the the uh, funding that's required to have somebody looked after in those facilities is less than in some of our more intensive and acute care settings. So the answer is, yes, there's an upfront investment, but at the same time, there is a, a, a down-the-road cost saving. You know, a lot of us, I guess, if we, were, if we were to be granted that final wish, it would be to be able to die at home in the comfort of our own bed. But, but we're talking about situations where that may, that may not be possible. And, and it's interesting because, uh, I mean, certainly people who are, are registered with palliative care and who are able to avail themselves of palliative care have an increased likelihood if, of dying in a place of, of their choice. And, and you're right. I mean, most Canadians, and uh, there's been, there have been studies to this, this effect, I mean, would choose to die at home if they were given the option to do so. But I think what's perhaps more important is not so much where someone dies and, you know, at uh, the moment of death, where that takes place, but really where are you able to spend the vast majority of your time, um, you know, in your final chapter of life? And the reality is that if that can largely be spent at home and in your own community surrounded by friends and family, you may or may not actually die at home. And that depends on a whole variety of circumstances as to whether or not it's something your family can support, whether or not it's something your community supports, and whether, in fact, something that you yourself would want. Not everyone wants to have their death take place in the home. So the more critical question is not so much you know, where will I actually die? But where can I spend out my final time of life? And most people would choose to have that time being uh, in the community. 
Dr. Chachanoff, thanks so much uh, for your insights tonight. He is the director of the Manitoba Palliative Care Research Unit at Cancer Care Manitoba. And congratulations, Dr. Chachanoff, on getting this chair uh, announced well, we, and, and getting getting it through. Well, we uh, we still have a ways to go, but the university will be an- announcing its commitment to uh, directing and uh, this uh, a public fundraising campaign to uh, to see to it that we can uh, we can actually achieve this. Again, Dr. Chachanoff, thank you very much for this.